Hello and welcome back to the pod. Uh, this week we have a very special guest with us, uh, PC Polly. Uh, PC Polly's uh, been around for a little bit and uh, he does tend to keep things a little in check. So uh, we'll see uh, how she does. Paul, uh, welcome to the cast. Well, thanks for having me, boys. Uh, I have to say, after listening to a couple episodes, I'm quite surprised at the back and forth and level headedness I've been seeing. So I'm very much looking forward to participating and seeing where I can contribute today. Love it. Well, uh, Bev, uh, what do we got today? Well, I guess first off, before we dive in, I certainly appreciate having the PC police monitoring in real time now. I've always, uh, I've always had my concerns. So that's, uh, <laughs> let's start off with somebody who needs the, uh, who needs the PC police herself. So our, uh, our governor general. So this is kind of interesting. So I guess um, maybe to start off for non-Canadian uh, listeners, the governor's general role, I guess, is best described as the liaison between the government and the monarchy. Because for whatever crazy reason, we're still part of the monarchy. But I guess long story short, um, uh, our governor had some uh, some uh, workplace behavioral issues, uh, you know, being uh, in a well, I actually I'm not even sure. Was it was that she was inappropriate or she was she was like short and rude to her staff or or you know, what's kind of the bottom line with what she had done? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like uh, the NDP right now is calling to have the actual third party consultant report released so they can see exactly what her and her uh, chief secretary, or chief of staff, or whatever they're uh, they called uh, yeah, is uh, accused of. Because essentially they're accusing them of a hostile work environment. Um, and the, and this is, I guess, the world we live in right now. Like we, I'm sure this report will never actually get released because. I, I don't I honestly don't know how the governor general's uh, ro- uh, like uh, fits into the Canadian government's um, I guess uh, reach like I know the governor general is always appointed by a prime minister and they're really just a f- foreign policy figurehead but I don't know who they actually report to and who can actually call them to fire uh, fire them because essentially when we have an election here, uh, the parties get together and then go to the governor general and say, hey, we have uh, we have this many people. We want to form a government. May we have permission to form a government, even though it's mostly a, a, a figurehead position. Like it still somewhat has some power. So her stepping down is sort of a big deal. Yeah, they were saying that. um they might not be able to re- replace her very quickly either, too. And and if an election happens, it's going to be really interesting. Sorry, I think I think Paul is jumping in there. No, I mean I was just going to say, you know, me PC PC Polly here. Um, it, no matter who you are, woman, man, <laughs> race, gender, whatever it is, if you uh, if we're playing by the rules that uh, you know have been set out in front of us in this uh, twenty twenty world we live in, and you got to handle yourself with uh, pride after you get caught and thrown under the bus like she did. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but you get caught, you get some people complaining about you and well, how do you I feel? Think it's, that's the way it goes. These I think days. it's most impressive with her is how uh, strong her resume is. Like, so she's got all these, you know, two engineering degrees from McGill and Toronto. So two of our best universities, she was an astronaut you know, she's on the board of, of all these bank, like national bank of Canada. So if, you know, it's not the best bank, you know, probably our second, second last shitty, <laughs> shitty yeah, bank, shit but bank, hey, bank's obviously. a bank, right? Schedule one. 
But anyway, so uh, it's like super qualified. You know, it says here on her Wikipedia page, she's uh, burned through two husbands, you know, and she's the one who probably ran that show. So, you know, she's like a, a clearly like an alpha woman. I mean, like if you're working for somebody like that, like she's going to be, she's going to have high expectations. She's going to push you. I don't know. I'm sure she was just not cut out for, you know, being in that government, the yeah. government position. Like Could you imagine working with yeah. a bunch of government limp dicks like all day? Like, eh, that's not in my <laughs> job description. I'm sorry. You're going to have to hire somebody else to do that. Like, You got hired to help run this show. Like, whatever is asked from you is what you do. Like, I, I don't know if any of you guys have ever dealt with, um, not every government employee, of course. Like, I'm generalizing right now, but stereotypes are there for a reason. And I've never heard in private industry, ooh, that's not my job description. Oh, that's not your job description? I guess you're telling me you can't do this job. So thank you so much for your tenure, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just kind of on that, my sister works for a private company. Uh, the boss or the owner, very old school and completely capable of working from home, these people. But because they're deemed an essential service uh the owners making everybody you know go to site go to the office um you know it's just one of those things it's an old school mentality you can get away with it because he's a you know he's a private business owner and he's deemed essential so there's not much that people can do about it so i think she would thrive in the private sector but in the public sector when you're being scrutinized for every single thing that you do it's kind of well, tough well, to, on that to make note, that happen uh, saying there that the the boss could have like uh, realistically let them work from home. Like it's always an argument work from home or not. But if you're essential, you're essential. Like that put that's putting your business uh, at a huge risk. Like if there's an outbreak at your business and it gets scrutinized for whatever reason, like let, I, I have no idea uh, what your girlfriend does, but like, let's say they're having client clients in the office and interacting with them. Your sister, my sister, but <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> down south, but. Bad, but okay okay your sister like whatever they do like if there's an outbreak and then clients get sick too like they're putting themselves at risk yeah, and or what what oh it doesn't matter what industry so. he's about 90 years old <laughs> so he really shouldn't be putting uh, so himself at yeah, risk it's, it's Wait, old school like, he's old school he's right? in there so he's, he's 90 he's in there every day and not he's, for long but you know, he you can't really <laughs> Holy shit. Larry King still going into the office. Like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, good for him. Good yeah. for him. Got to get it to him. Yeah. I'll tell you the names after, but uh, he's a yeah, he's a big shot in this yeah. country. So 90 years old. Holy shit. Good for him. Not caring. Not giving a shit. <laughs> yeah. I love this. No, that's rich, true. Uh, that's very true. Home. Like that's that's a Grant Cardone saying is you got to be out. Like you shouldn't spend any time at home. You should always be out and out doing stuff. But I don't know. It's a lot easier to do it from home, in my opinion. But I like this little statement here. Buckingham Palace said the Queen has been kept informed of developments. Like what the fuck? Like this is what to me is so <laughs> silly. It's like the Queen. Like who the fuck? Can, like I don't give a shit about what the Queen has to say. You know? Like I don't know. Well, you have. It's such a interesting role, though. Like, if you watch um, Crown on Netflix, you kind of see it's a very. You think they don't do much, but it's a very lucrative role, <laughs> being obviously king or queen. 
and and the crown shows quite a bit that I had no idea went on. I thought they just were all for show, but you know they got their debriefs and they take part in like the military action and all this type of stuff. So it's very interesting. It's kind of, I don't I don't know that it has much to do with Canada, but it's, it's still pretty interesting. You ever see those uh, like what they do behind the scenes? Wherever it came from, I never really dug deep into it. I just pop into my mind now, like the old former old colonies are not all the colonies like British colonies though are looking at getting together and forming their own pack like it's Australia New Zealand Canada and uh, Great Britain forming one alliance or whatever uh, wouldn't surprise me in one bit if they had their own trading partnership now that uh, Great Britain or England or I have no idea the difference between those two but uh, are now out of the EU uh, probably in the next couple of years you'll see that alliance actually happen you guys ever hear about that? Yep. Yeah, I was reading about that the other day, and it, it makes sense. And, and I don't know, frankly, I think the EU is going to really start to pull apart in the next couple of years. There's too many big countries, like, like Germany, for instance, who's really getting like the short end of the stick for the, that deal now, where it's it's like, you know, it's the, the benefit of being in that Eurozone just isn't like economic. Yeah, Brexit benefit. was the, the first domino, right? Like, <laughs> pretty much. Mm-hmm. Well, like I look at a country like Greece or Italy, who's basically totally lost any ability to exercise monetary pol- uh, policy. So it's really screwed up their economy. They, they've had issues with inflation, you know, can't um, can't uh, the, don't have any tools to manage interest rates. Like it's it's a real, real mess for those for those guys who are kind of stuck in the middle. And of course, you have those, you know, borderline third world type countries that are they're getting huge amounts of money from it huge infrastructure investments, all kinds of stuff, but you know, they aren't really chipping anything in towards it. Hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens and whatever, like who knows? Like I think, uh, uh, Bev, you had another article, uh, that, uh, we were going to look at there about uh, Canadians, uh, amounts of savings and, uh, seeing something like, uh, just, uh, give us a quick little debrief on, on what we got here so we can, continue on this well maybe i'll uh, pass that one over to big d but i know just at a high level from my perspective i've certainly uh cut back a lot of the spending now it's you don't have restaurants to go to don't have you know you're not, not going out and doing stuff you're just kind of well let's go for a walk today or let's go skating or you know it's not a whole lot to do yeah i think that's pretty much like essentially i mean this is a toronto star article for people only listening as well so like you know take it for a grain of salt there i'm not always an avid reader um however basically getting at everyone's trying to figure out like where do we go after this pandemic like how do we recover what does that look like there's a whole bunch of different kind of opinions out there right now this is just one that i thought was kind of interesting talking about disposable income and uh folks kind of saving up from just what bev was saying they're not really kind of throwing their money away on the typical shit that they wasted on over the last year so you know that money kind of being there now i think you know we're talking about recovery here this is also we need the people to go and actually spend this money then for that recovery to happen too so if people just get in the habit of saving and not spending and, and stick to you know some of these new um habits they've developed you know or habits they've they've dropped um then that doesn't really work out either, right? So I think there's a ton of factors here, and I just think everyone's trying to, to you know, have some idea what this recovery looked like and, and any kind of possible, you know, positive positives around it as well too. So I think that's most of what, what the uh, the kind of root of the opinion is here. I'm not sure. Well, like Bev, you were highlighting some stuff there. Well, like uh, before you jump in there, Bev, like all 
all I and I know we've touched on this in the previous podcast, but his like I'm all a firm believer of history always repeats itself. Like you know this pandemic hundred years ago, another pandemic, twenties afterwards, roaring twenties, people just not not giving a shit and just going out and having fun. Like I think it's going to be the same thing and the same sort of uh overspending because our uh our countries are going to seem like they're so stable and making that so stable is making us say like oh these good times are always going to continue and really relax so much and overextend ourselves so much like up until like this pandemic and this little savings blip that we see like average canadian owes a dollar 60 for every dollar they make like that that's insane amounts of money and maybe pc paul i can touch on those numbers maybe i'm right maybe i'm wrong but that's that's what I that's what I remember seeing. And even though there is this little blip here, like, yeah, I'll see our our GDP our Canada's GDP probably recover. Maybe not as much now since Keystone is shut down, but uh, that's a, a whole different topic. But our GDP will at least recover a lot in the retail sector when everyone just wants to go out and do shit. Like I I miss seeing my friends all the time. Like I miss seeing you guys, of course. And like uh, as soon as we're like air quote allowed to, you know. Gonna of course go do it. Of course go blow some cash. Well, yeah. What? What do you? What do you got there, Bev? Well, the thing I highlighted here because what kind of struck me as I was going through this is like, well, wait a minute. Like, if how does it? The only way disposable income would increase is because disposable income is like free cash flow, basically, right? Like after you spent all your money, you know, on like mortgage, food, all the all the stuff you have to buy. It's just what you have left over to buy like shit you don't need and, and, you know, entertainment and stuff like that. So really that the only way for that to increase is a uh, cost of like something essential to go down, which really hasn't changed or um, uh, like your income to increase. But then I saw then as, as we're going through it all was coming together. There's this one statement here. Uh, one reason for this, uh, he says, whoever the, the subject of the article is, um, is the support programs governments have brought to the pandemic table have been more generous than the incomes lost to layoffs and shuttered business uh, businesses. And we've talked about this in the past <laughs> where it's like government just showering people with money. It's like, here, this will save you from the pandemic. It's like, oh, I'm doing okay. But okay, that's great. I'll go buy a new TV or fucking Xbox or something. Yeah. I do want to jump in on this one, working in the uh, finance industry, seeing a lot of this firsthand. I don't think that the personal um, benefits that the government gave was anything special. Um, it's pretty much EI. I think we've all maybe once in our lives, twice in our lives, whatever it might have been, have been on that EI program. And it's not enough to live on. It's 500 bucks a week. That's pretty much what these guys were getting, 2000 bucks a month. Um, so if you weren't making 2000 bucks a month before the pandemic, I mean, don't really know what you were doing. Not many jobs don't like that's way below minimum wage, but it's not that the amount of money wage, actually, which is surprising. Yeah. Well, yeah, still, yeah. even even then, right? Yeah. I guess you weren't receiving it with taxes anyway. But that's another story. But the handouts that businesses got, un fucking believable. Am I allowed yeah, to swear? Course. I guess yeah. so. Just making sure. Um, I had people who, like I said type of industry at work and I had people coming in with like four-year-old corporations that haven't been touched in like I don't know, like five years whatever you know like they haven't been touched at all and they're like opening business accounts to try and get this benefit from the government oh my god you know because uh, at the beginning the rest- uh, there wasn't really too much 
about that forty thousand yeah. dollars, right? It, it wasn't forty too... payback thirty for uh, all your listeners. You have two years interest free to take a forty thousand dollar loan, but you have two years to pay back only thirty. So essentially, you get a free ten k if you own a business up here. Yeah, like look, if I'm a business owner and I have a, and I own my house, um, you know, in three years, two years, whatever it is, throw the you know, give the government back 30K off of my home equity line of credit, pocket 10 right there, pay off 2% over, you know, it's just way better. Like there's so many things you could have done. Hell, if you if you took that 40K, threw it in Tesla at the beginning of the pandemic, you'd have like $150,000 by now, right? So if you were smart about it, you would have definitely profited. If you're stupid, you probably don't have the money, but who's the government going to collect from when it's all said and done if, well, if the money's well, not there from these people? Yeah, well, the, the government did go back and say you have to be able to prove that your sales were down 30%. Uh, now, how retroactively? Yeah, but was- who's liable? The owner or the corporation, right? Corporation's liable. Oh, going to go belly up. See you later. Government loses their money. Or is it the actual owner? Like, the, do they have to personally guarantee it? Because to my knowledge, there was no personal guarantee on those loans. So it was just the corporation's guarantee. Wow. Yeah. And that so was even the same for like with the wage subsidy, like they're subsidizing 75% of wages for com- some companies. Um, and the same thing, like they only had to pr- prove it was like the 30%. So, I mean, you can, you can manufacture 30% for sure. If it's going to get you, you know, three quarters of your employees wages paid for you. And especially if you're in some sort of business where you actually aren't even that deeply affected by this. Right. But you can, of course, you know, manipulate those numbers to make that happen. And it's happening. You know, obviously there's a lot of companies that probably did really need the help for sure. And, and, and in oh, yeah. sectors where they're getting smoked by this, but there's definitely people who are like seeing this opportunity as like a glowing neon sign to get some, some free cash. Right. So let's go get some free yeah. 10 grand. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Well, and um, and kind of back to the free cash flow, sorry to jump in there, uh, old Rick there, but um, I see a lot of young people buying houses now. And most young people, like I found, weren't losing their jobs. Like I don't really know any close friend who didn't work in like the service industry that lost their job. Um so these people, you know, they're not going out, they're not buying new clothes, they're not taking trips, they're not driving their cars, they're not, you know, doing all these things, renting cottages, whatever it is, and they're just saving. And, oh, hell, interest rates are low. Oh, great. Like, I've saved a bunch of cash, and now I can buy a house. And that's, I think, really what also is helping drive the housing market up. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing being a potential being a soon to be new homeowner obviously I'm, I'm rooting for that rooting for the housing market but you know I think that I think it's just overall like there was that question like how's this next generation going to get into the market right like that was a question for so many years and now I think like you know most people in my close circle have like bought houses or will be buying houses in the next you know six to twelve months and can make it work and so so i kind of think that we're solving that problem uh where you know how's the wealth how's the real estate how's that going to pass on to the next generation well it seems like it is slowly starting because this this whole pandemic has pushed people out of the uh, you know metropolis like toronto and out into the burbs and you know that was the one thing that was holding people back like oh i can buy you know a house in 
you know, maybe Ajax or Peterborough or whatever it is, but, you know, it's a far commute for work. Well, now everybody's working remote, so hell, it doesn't matter where you work, where you live. So, so on that, like on that thought right before you, you circle back there, Polly, is I really believe that we're going to see like a huge increase in rural property pricing over the next two years or so. And then a sharp decline again, because all these people who've been living in Toronto or whatever urban center are going to be moving out to the boonies or these small towns and realize, holy crap, they don't have, oh, the the grocery stores are open past nine o'clock here or, oh my God, like but there's, that's the thing, there's no these... concerts, like people are going to care about that stuff. Like it's going to be I, I, I a switch so. back. Yeah. But these places are really starting to develop like, um, you know, so companies and you know grocery stores and all these types of things are making these investments because it's a smart place oh there's a small hat like my uh, i got some family that lives in tottenham and they're putting in like no frills they got uh you know a couple other big places going up they're going to Canadian tire like they got all this stuff that's going up and it wasn't before right and it's like all these businesses and it's more opportunity right and you go out there and you know businesses can buy land and they can own the property that they have their business on Whereas if you're in the city, you got to rent a property, right? You can't buy that. So, so I think it's, I don't think it's going to be as bad. And even if there is a decline, right? What are housing prices going up right now? Average per year, seven to 10% more depending on where it is, right? So if in two, three years, there's a, there's a sharp decline. Well, if you bought this year, your house is already appreciated 20, 30%. Well, right? you, you, so, wait, no, no. You just said 10% a year. Now you're saying 20, 30%. You're using two different. You said two or three years later. Two or three years later. Okay, yeah. Two to three years later. So, and it's like, okay, so if it drops 15, you know, 15, 20%, right? It's, you know, it's kind of like, well, you missed all these years, like just to get back where it was a few years ago. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Like, I think that in Canada, with the amount of immigration coming in, real estate is all anybody wants. So, I think the government's pushing um, a very strong immigration plan. And they're all going to need to buy houses and they all want to buy houses because to them, that's valuable, right? Owning stocks. No, that's so valuable. Owning property. I think Canada's, Canada's so really got to gonna... open up like more of its crown land. Like one of the, the crazy things is that we have so much space, but so much of it is, is like government owned or, or inaccessible. Like they're like, when you look at the U S for instance, like there is so much availability down there. Like, and, and on the flip side, there's so much less government owned land. So people are able to develop and expand, but like up, it's brutal in Canada. Like we, like, like if you look at the percent, I don't know what the percentage is. I probably look it up here, but it's a decent chunk is owned by, uh, owned by the government. So it really like limits the amount of growth we could benefit from. Yeah. And we don't have, they're going to have to make their money back somehow. So might as well start dishing. We don't have like interstates like they do too, right? Like in the States, you can get out to butt fuck nowhere in Kansas. Like there's a, there's, there is infrastructure already there. There's roads. There's Mm -hmm. like, there's ways around. Right. And they're like, there's literally places you can't access. Right. That's, that's a number right there. So uh, for our uh, listeners only and not our viewers, uh, Ontario. So where we live uh, here. Yeah, 87% of the land is owned by the government here. The other 13% is privately owned. Like, that's an insane amount. But, like, going back to something that we mentioned on a previous podcast, the majority of people in Canada live within 100 kilometers of the U.S. border. And so the majority, like, Ontario is is fucking huge. Like, it takes two days to drive across it. 
and the majority of that land is way up north where there is no infrastructure and winters are cold as shit and you can't grow anything like why would anyone go up there because it's cheap cheap but cold it's not a good selling feature it, hey global warming kicks in and it's nice and balmy up there hell yeah people are going to move up there till then like going up there and getting 24 centimeters of snow. So that's like almost a, like 10 inches of snow or whatever. In July. Uh, I had a family member. <laughs> oh, but I had a family member last week. That's that's how much they got. And you know how much we got down here? Maybe like two centimeters. Like, and that's within five hours from here. Five yeah, but hours. I mean, same could be said about people. You go to like uh, Alberta, you go to um, the East Coast. They get pounded with tons of snow and... Tons of people live out there, so what's not tons of people though? Not tons of people. Well, across like, that's the across whole point. it all, right? It's like, you know, no, like most people live good. in Ontario. Yeah, but you know, maybe 10, 10 to fifteen percent of the population would be spread across those you know specific sectors, those areas that I said. Uh, you know, I, I just think that it's you're absolutely right. Like, you know, we can. It's going to take a long time, but if we get some of this crown land, we start really making it, you know, a viable option. Even out, out in the Sudbury area, right? Like, you know, there's lots of stuff up there. Um, and So so for our American listeners, Sudbury is like a shithole mining town about eight hours north of Toronto. Eight hours. Eight hours. Like You're thinking Timmins. It's like, it's like four hours. Well, pull it up right now. Google from Maps. From Toronto? Right? It, 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 it might be less than four hours. hours. From where I live. It'll, it'll be like four hours and 20 minutes. Four hours? From Toronto. Uh, yeah. See, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm eight, eight hours. Eight hours Sunday, or, sorry, Sault Ste. Marie. That's got a live Google Maps situation oh, here, folks. So that's only because you got to rip around. Yeah, but I mean, like it's Canada's four, even less. Oh, four hundred kilometers. Off. Just fucking hammer right, it like one forty the whole way. You'll be there under four hours. Yeah, and there's lots of. I think like that's the next place. Like if you're going to start. Like, because that's the next most populous area up there, Sudbury, North Bay area, Sault Ste. Marie. Um, if you can start putting some serious, serious career opportunities out there. Now, the only thing is, is that area, import-export's not, like, the greatest. But you're on the border. You're pretty close to the border of the U.S., right? Am I not, if, uh, are you pulling that, that map up again? Control-Shift-T that, Bev. Control-Shift-T that. You know, get that close tab up. Um, but... Uh... Yeah, the biggest thing is why there's so much industry down here in southern Ontario is because it all goes right to Michigan. Like mm. that, that's where it goes. It goes to New York and Michigan. It's all going to the States. And to put, add an extra 400 k on those shipping costs? Eh, yeah, but what's right across? I don't know. Control-Shift-T. Uh, you know, don't you know computers? You're thinking of Sault Ste. Marie. So Sault Ste. Marie is right across from Sioux, Michigan. Right across from Sudbury is Georgian Bay, a big thing of water. Uh, for those watching, we apologize. Um, our, our, We're having some technical issues. Old Bev has a. It's the, the Earth is gone, bud. Structure. Live look at the planet. It's disappeared. Hey, on that fiber ignite, Bev, are you still on dial-up? What's going on here? Well, basically, no. I'm on uh, DSL. <laughs> He's got a, a wire that goes out over uh, to the nearby tree, and he just taps into the, the telephone <laughs> post there, and uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, boys. No, not even. I just got some uh, some uh, uh, clothing <laughs> hangers all uh, stick in there. We pick up the <laughs> signal and away we go. Uh, I've oh, never yeah, seen yeah. Google Maps do this. This is fucked. I'm getting hacked, bud. 
Yeah, but uh, anyways, there there's nothing there like next to Sudbury. Like it's Georgia Bay. Yeah, but what's across the bay? Is saying you know you can get those. Uh... Uh, there across the bay is Lake Huron, get... <laughs> and then across that giant body of water is then the. Yeah, US. I got a couple so of boats going. You instead know? of drive, no. instead of driving it, they're going to inland ship it. Like there's no way. I think what uh, the other way to do it is instead of having this stupid like via rail that they pump all this money into. Um, <laughs> like subsidize uh flights out like like more flights so you can get people out of ontario into like you know nova scotia or new brunswick or like just start getting people out because there's too many people in ontario like quebec i don't know kind of pushing it a bit too many people in bc you got to like spread them out a bit hey we got lots of pilots waiting to fly so uh, that's not a bad idea <laughs> yeah. well, i got a very anecdotal like little thing like so years ago work with a dude uh, immigrated from India. Uh, he was working for a Canadian company there, and then that's how he got able to work uh, here in Canada. So great. He's a kick-ass sales guy. By the time he got there, like he's a very technical guy. Anyways, when he moves to Canada, you know where they put him up for the first time? Hey, you know you're where you're going to live? You're going to live in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Yeah, like this is like a town like the last town in Ontario before you hit Manitoba. It is way in the middle of nowhere. Maybe a hundred thousand people if not less but i mean like it's like an outpost town and could you imagine you're coming from india like fairly warm place and you're shipped to northern ontario this little uh, hick town i i guess like a little frontierish sort of feeling town like there like i know there's uh the college uh, and the university up there if you, you can't get into there you have a university but i mean is it a university up there yeah yeah, exactly. And what else do you got up there? I don't know. Mining, forestry, that's need, Walmart. But... That's that's good. Essential. Oh man, but I mean, like, could you imagine, like, how much of a shell shock that would be? Like, yeah, well, like, I mean, maybe those type yeah. of people, maybe they enjoy that, right? Like, you come from the hustle and bustle oh, of well, India. I, you think I clearly have bad, never right? like uh, you live in India. It's like ten, hundred. Wait, how many? It's like. Uh, like, it's over a yeah, billion so it's like people there. Almost 400 times more people. Like reduced. Well, here, I'm going to helicopter an interesting topic real quick here. So I was, this came up uh, not too long ago on uh, on my feed. I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. It's like every country's most searched takeout cuisine, according to Google search data. So Canada's fish and chips, um, the, uh, the US, Mexico, China, Australia, New Zealand, that's all Chinese. Um, Brazil is sushi, interestingly. A lot of the Middle East is pizza, which doesn't surprise me too much. Uh, um, Europe, of course, pizza. And it looks like uh, UK is probably Chinese as well. Uh, I just I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, look, so what do you got? Oh, a kebab, a kebab in uh They love the Russia. kebabs yeah, in Russia pretty... there. Yeah. Kebab, kebab. Yeah, what's that? So. <laughs> yeah, what's the dark? Uh, no data. Dark yeah. No data. No data available. Nobody lives there. Oh. Greenland. Yeah, yeah. The data okay. or data? What do you guys say? I say data. Data. I think data. Yeah. I, I, data. I interchange. Depends who I'm talking Just, to. Yeah, yeah, it's the flow of the conversation yeah. for sure. Yeah, and what? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I've never ordered fish and chips takeout oh. before but does that so this is google searches like so does that just mean that old people are trying to google how to order from restaurants and young people know how to use uber and skip the dishes and like those guys no, you just so, google search like I, I don't know i still google search restaurants just because 
I don't know. You never know. Sometimes a new place could pop up on Google, and you get you read the reviews. I always trust yeah. the Google reviews. You know, fish and chips. Yeah, oh, I'm still man. blown guys, away by that. Uh, what the fuck? I don't know. Yo, have you ordered? Like, ever ordered like, fish chips? Like, like once a year. <laughs> yeah, I used to do it all the time. Oh, you did, Bev? Oh, oh shit. shit! All right, well, you're see. There you go. You're 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 a member of that. Like I remember years ago working for a delivery tech company like one of those services and some of the hardest places to get on board were those fish and chip places because they all had the same thing fish and chips are meant to be a a, Mm -hmm. like fresh out of the fryer like really hot really good and if they sweat even if it's 10 minutes in a in -hmm. a container like that changes the aspect of the of the fish but i mean like in like the way you got all those restaurants on board like people aren't dumb they know that it's going to take 10 minutes to get from the restaurant to their house because it's all tracked and they know it's not going to be the same as eating <laughs> in the restaurant but they're too lazy to go put pants on and that's why they're ordering delivery you know you know but i mean i don't know i would never order fish and chips takeout like i'm never sitting on my couch on a sunday morning after going out with the boys and like, ah, I'm just really craving like fish. And I just like, go no, for some like, fucking halibut right now, boys. Let's go. <laughs> well, hey, if you just had like a cottage weekend or something like, oh, like a winter cottage, you know, that'd be pretty sweet afterwards. And I've certainly been that uh, position before, but I don't know. It's, uh, I just found it interesting. It's like, uh, I wasn't surprised by the results except for Russia's kebab uh, uh, favorite i wasn't expecting that but kebab you know kebab but it's kebab no but (laughs) kebab uh what what uh uh is really wild on this map like i'm just looking at it like does any other country have fish and Uh, chips that's number one or canadian like it's a very colonized uh uk yo fiji's crushing fish and chips down there in the bottom right Yo, and so South Africa, there you go. Well, yeah, well, South Africa wasn't invited to the colony party, was it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we didn't invite you? (laughs) We already made the the allegiance. Sorry, bud. (laughs) Fuck. Oh, man. Uh, well, yeah, okay, we'll switch topics uh, here. What else have we got on the topic? Uh, yeah, we could. <laughs> CMHC. Oh, these guys are. The yeah, CMHC this is one. always wrong, though. Like, these guys are terrible they at forecasting. They're shit. so dumb. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but like it said, without government help. But CMHC. is a government-backed so, company. Uh, like they ensure. Yeah, and they ensure, uh, like, maybe PC Poly can shed some light on this. Like, how many mortgages do you do that are insured on CMHC first-time home buyers? Let's say versus um, non-insured. I did a lot of mortgages, and I never did a CMHC mortgage. I've never done a CMHC what? mortgage in my life. Yeah, that blows my mind. Who the fuck has two hundred k sitting in their bank account? To Most put of the time, they're bu- they're purchasing sales, right? Like people are buying and upgrading, right? So they'll sell their current house. That's what that's what I did a lot of. Uh, people were just buying. Oh, sorry, sorry. I I I, th- I meant like first time oh, homebuyers. Um, like, but I've done a couple, but honestly, like you were. It's worth it in my opinion. Like people are like, oh, I don't want to pay the CMHC. Okay, well, you know, I'm buying a house right now and I'm doing CMHC and it's, you know, twenty thousand dollars extra on my mortgage, and you guys know like the house I'm buying, it's pretty pricey. 
not that like I am sitting here bragging. I definitely am stretching myself just a little bit. No, you have to but... pay that, you know. Well, no, no. Tell us how much. Uh, tell us uh, how much your house is, and, uh, and so... what kind of house it is, just to give an idea. Like, you don't have to say where, but I mean, yeah. It's so seven eighty outside of the price, GTA. and it's uh, maybe about an hour north of Toronto. I'd say about maybe a little bit more. But anyway, it's got ghost station stuff. I'm doing CMHC, so seven eighty, and it's gonna cost me twenty thousand of CMHC insurance. And what's that on a like a return percentage? That's like three percent of equity, like growth. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like next year, I would have made that twenty thousand up, like threefold potentially, just the way the markets are going, especially where I bought. So I really don't see people like who are like, oh, I want to save enough to not have to pay CMHC, it's not worth it. I think your house will appreciate significantly in equity if you just buy it with CMHC. That being said, I haven't seen that. I haven't done too many deals because I worked in Toronto, not a ton of first-time home buyers who aren't in condos. And in condos, like, you know, you could probably swing 20%, mom and dad help out. But yeah. Fucking Toronto people. Yeah. In the real world, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think CMHC... I don't see too many people defaulting. Like I said, like most young people didn't lose their jobs during the pandemic. Um, yeah, well, I'm just worried about like what everyone's worried about is people will start defaulting when they realize like, oh shit, I'm maxed out right now uh, and I'm paying 1.5% interest. I have honestly, to renew it's not it the 3%. people, like I'm telling you, the people who suck at credit, people who suck at paying their bills, they're all grown ass people. They're not first time home buyers. First-time homebuyers are thrifty. They save their money. Really? You say what you want about them. Like, the um, ratio of people who were in their, you know, 40s, 50s, who were just in the worst positions ever and refinancing their houses and, you know, like, those are the people who are going to default. Guaranteed. It's not going to be the first-time homebuyers. I'm telling you that right now. It's going to be, uh, you know, the, you know, the standard Joneses, you know, who, uh, you know, are 55 years old and they still have like a $700,000 mortgage because they want to take all the equity out and do their upgrades and so on and so forth and get the nice cars and whatever it is, right? It's those people that I had to do unbelievable amounts of debt consolidation for. Yeah, you're, you're, not the, you're not the first person to tell me that. Like I have another friend who, who works in the same sector doing a lot of the same stuff and like the amount of like boomer type folks or maybe a little, little younger than boomers who would come in and like retired and all oh, my house is worth four times what I paid for it. I want to take 90 K yeah. and go buy a Corvette. And like, you, you just want to be like, are you fucking retarded? Like, are you insane? Like, this is not a time in your life to start doing that shit. And that's the thing is, yeah, I think a lot of these folks overextended themselves. They, they're taking money out of their house to fucking go on vacations and shit like stuff. That's not even like a tangible asset when you're done. Like it's fucking crazy, man. I think you're right. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, like I'm telling you. Yeah. So what you're saying is CMHC knows what they're doing because CMHC is for like more first time, second time home buyers that mm-hmm. can't come up with 20%. So the people you're saying are defaulting are yeah. Second and third mortgages. And I love how banks uh, rebranded second uh, mortgages where mm-hmm. it's a secured line of credit. Like oh yeah, it's different. It's not a second mortgage. Yeah. It's a secured line of credit. Well, I mean, the banks the banks do mortgage. cover themselves like, by is. only letting you take sixty five percent loan to value uh, on a on a line of credit secured line of credit. <laughs> so I mean, at least there's thirty five percent equity there for them. Uh, but 
Yeah, but yeah. they already have that mortgage. <laughs> but honestly, it's uh, it's not the people that you think that are financially, you know, in trouble. Most of these people just have, and I'm telling you, like these people don't have savings. These people, uh, their house is their life, and they just keep eating away at their house and all the equity that they build up in it. But you know, markets keep going up, and you know if they can, based on their job, they keep taking out more equity. So. But hey, if all goes uh, to shit, you just sell it and walk away with a little bit, and I don't know, live off CPP and OAS that I have that we that we have to no, no, go live pay six percent in, in a couple of years. I don't know if you guys saw that. That might be a, a interesting topic. You whoa, guys whoa, uh, didn't know that what by twenty twenty three, our uh, contributions to CPP and OAS are going to be six percent. Capped at what though? Right now they went like up this right year. Now, like, you probably didn't notice, no, but no. they they went up. No, no, I I, yeah. I I know it went up this year, and like, and I was aware of that. But every year, like, I don't know if you, like, when you get paid, like halfway oh. through the year, whatever, like once you hit your contribution limit, your paycheck yeah, goes up because there's a limit. It's like six percent or five percent. Yeah, up to Yumpy. Uh, Yumpy goes up every year by um, inflation, like the uh, the percentage of inflation. So that's. I wonder what's the what's the uh, maximum contribution uh, this year, Bev? Uh, do you have that weird blue website again? Uh, which is like this is a like financial podcast, hey boys. Yeah. You gotta get a out, everything. We gotta get out to the world. Oh, a little bit, you know, them. like we're four millennials. Well, here, like you know, they're gonna save us. We're gonna save us. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, like, government could change whatever they say at any time and just say, uh oh, oh, turns out we uh, can't pay you, so screw you guys. Like, well, that's unlikely to happen, but, I mean, like, anything could happen. That's the scary part of having a huge government body that's governed by people who just are elected yeah, at any given time. should definitely time. be like, dictator. You can do really crazy shit. <laughs> You should definitely do dictator. No, no, no. I'm talking more decentralized. Like, I, I was reading some... Uh, Pretty uh, cool stuff uh, there about like uh, uncentralized governance, how uh, governance is done in Switzerland, and uh, that's a whole different podcast uh, that we'll touch on one day. But uh, for your listeners who are interested, like go check out how uh, Switzerland does it, and with the Canton system and like all their regional governments, like it's really interesting, and it's there's a reason why they're the most stable, arguably one of the most stable economies ever over the last few hundred years sorry to jump in there i don't know if you didn't find so yumpy the yearly maximum pensionable earnings that our cpp is based off went up a just under uh three thousand dollars it looks like um and uh, we're at 5.45 percent for cpp up from 5.25 say that one more time uh Uh, wait how much did it go up? So it went up about year? just under three thousand dollars. No, no, you're not paying three thousand extra dollars. The maximum, like before you stop contributing, right? Like because the way CPP works is, you yeah. contribute, you know, up a, like a certain percentage up until you make sixty. Yeah, in this case, yeah. it's sixty-one thousand six hundred this yeah. year, with a five point four five percent contribution rate. So whatever five point four five of. Sixty-one six hundred minus the thirty-five hundred. Yeah, so that's figuring it out. Anyway, a lot of technicalities, but it's, it's gone up, which means more money. We're gonna be paying a ton of money for all these fucking boomers and their retirement. You know, 
complete bullshit, you know, because it's, it, you know, yeah. you go back to when they were working, right? The average lifespan was what, 70 years old for, for people? Like the average amount of years that someone took their CPP or their pension was like five to seven years because everyone died so young. And now it's like people are living till 90, people are taking their CPP at 60, and they're going to be taking that till they're in their 90s, and we're going to be stuck paying for it the whole time. And it's gonna, that's the big concern I have with CPP. I doubt it's going to be around. I know OAS isn't going to be around that much. Well, isn't like, guarantee that. Well, how does, how do like CPP and all, how's that like, uh, how's it adjust with inflation? Like, do they audit, like, how do they mark up what those payments are as, as things change or as price just, levels just change? Just do basic inflation. Like, that's it. They just take. Yeah, but it, it aren't the payments to people. If they less take than it before they're 60, right if you've maxed it out, it's a whole complicated thing, but most people take it at 60. Um, you can take it as early as 60. You can take it as late as 71. Later you take it, the more you get. But some people just want some extra cash now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, fair. <laughs> okay, well, that's <laughs> depressing. But I mean, under completely understandable. Like, it's just, it is, like, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Like, uh, one last thing we want to touch on before we, we wrap this up here uh, is... Um, I know, uh, Big D, uh, you showed me this stat. It was the uh, U.S. national debt to population ratio. Like, I know a couple weeks ago we were talking about how much Trudeau's been spending and, like, how outrageous the debt is, but that, that's still a bad number. number. <laughs> because the number that I saw after the... Yeah, it's still a bad number. For for our listeners, the number that uh, was pulled up on the screen was 69,000 U.S. for every man, woman, this child. This national debt? The United States is owed in national okay. debt. Yeah, this is national debt. Fast forward to post. It was uh, eighty-five thousand is what it was when we looked. So, to put that in perspective, it was thirty thousand for Canadians. So, and they have eighty eighty-five thousand for ten times the population heads paying that U.S. dollars. Yeah, so they're over one hundred ten thousand, and we thought it was bad. It was like whatever thirty four thousand Canadian. If we're translating that to Canadian, or, yeah, Canadian dollars is like one hundred and five or one hundred ten thousand Canadian is old. But then Canadian. factor in the amount that's of people, triple, triple for a oh, So sorry, was that that was external debt? Like that's debt owed to other countries, or is that debt owed uh, internal? Oh, that's a good question. I uh, just saw the uh, the uh, I was uh, <laughs> headline grabbing. I just pull up U.S. national debt I, right I, now. I have one thing to say on this topic. But that's and, a really good know, point. I don't know too much about it, but no matter what, it's either going to be Obama or Biden's fault. That's all I'm going to say. That's what, that's what's going to that's going to be the yeah. yeah that's really who they're into blaming. That's that's all they're going to do. Oh, it's Obama. It's Biden. No, you know that's that's all it's going to be. You know, it's it's going to be their faults no matter what. Fucking blame Obama. Oh, buddy, COVID's going to be 100% on Trump. Are you crazy? No. Have you been, uh, like, have you not been, like, living in this planet for the last year? It's going to be Obama. Are you kidding? (laughs) I don't know. uh, It sounds like PC Paul is not so PC. uh, (laughs) Sipping on the Fox News Kool-Aid or something like that. I just figure, you know, enough's enough, and you just got to switch over to the right side. You say, (laughs) so just for folks that are listening only, we're looking at a graph right now, um, and the 
spending in for 2020 versus 2008, which is obviously the the worst fucking financial crisis in recent history in the financial, states, yeah. uh, is like double the uh, what was it? No, not quite double, but a huge difference in size. Like they're fucking fucked. There, like I don't know. There's no other way to put it. They are fucking screwed. Oh man. I wish we could see how what percentage of that two trillion you know, U.S. cares or whatever that they, they dished out, how much of that actually went to people. I would love to see that. Yeah, because we know it didn't well, go to the people. <laughs> oh, is this no, it right here? Bucks, you can but... see how much is going to the people. It was 12, <laughs> 1,200, yeah, 600 bucks the second time, 1,200 bucks the first time for anyone who made less than 75000 And they were saying uh, with the $600 thing, the, the program is going to cost $150 billion. So double, like like this is arbitrary number, but double it. So $450 billion of the $3 trillion actually went into people's hands. Like that, that's crazy. I'm sure there's other programs like funding the eye and all that stuff, but like actually putting dollars into people's hands, like that stimulus package, the two $3 trillion CARES stimulus package, if 450 billion of that goes in those people's hands. What the hell happened to the other? Uh, I, I read it was less than that. I saw one of those like cool trillion dollars like, that you see all over Reddit, which is like, you know, those little blue bars and they get smaller and smaller. Like, I swear the smallest one was like to the people. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's all propaganda on the internet. So yeah. you never really know what you're reading. <laughs> well, Trump wanted to give him two grand. And I'm, I'm not saying so. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna dish. <laughs> oh man, this is fun. I'm I'm happy I came and joined in with you guys. I could talk all night with you. I don't know how many people would stick around listening. Well, uh, we wish we could. Yeah. Well, uh, we might wrap this uh, one up here and uh, might uh, might even start another one. Uh, who knows? But uh, thanks everyone for joining us uh, this week. Uh, uh, hopefully, we could have uh, PC Polly on again. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening, guys.